Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Almost Famous. This is part two of my chat with the wonderful broadcaster and author Emily Dean. In this part, Emily discusses how losing her sister and her parents within a few months of each other pushed her to break cover, in her words, uh, to reset her life and make a start on the to-do list of things she always told herself she'd do but had never got round to. Emily was such a wonderful guest, so please do enjoy this next part of the amazing story of her life and what led her to write her critically acclaimed book, Everybody Died, So I Got a Dog. I wanted to just go back to um, a little bit, because I've also seen you say this before as well, in terms mm. of... Um, when uh, so both both your parents died and your sister died within a very short space of time and you and you felt like it was almost like a reset a button reset and yes uh, I've mentioned how you know you had a list of things that you're you like to talk about doing but never do I wonder yes. if for people um, because I really really related to that but without the grief side of it I'm fortunate to say on my behalf but um, I know I, I'm sorry you missed out on that but <laughs> I'll come back to you I'll come back to you when I do what can I do I'm really sorry I mean <laughs> but I wonder for, for the very many people who I no Hashtag doubt bless. <laughs> <laughs> for the very many people who I who I feel no doubt also have those lists yes um, you know how how did you find the motivation to change that round what seems like such a bit like feels to me like a cliff to climb of getting mm. to that list and and starting to turn your life around especially for you after such a hugely damaging period of time like you know how does that work how does it happen well it's really interesting isn't it because well it's not interesting at the time it's shit at the time you know it's but but I think it's um I'd always heard things like that I'd seen it in films I'd I'd read it in those gift shops you know where, where they sell lots of blush and and palm tree sort of motif things you know yep. <laughs> that thing about out of adversity comes this what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and you know I, I sort of rejected that but I unfortunately some things you genuinely you know you will only find out of our experience and um I think for me it was a sense that I was kind of just plodding along I was happy and I was and then and then these things happened so dramatically and suddenly with my sister dying and then my parents following on and you know I said in my book I almost feel that it's so typical of them they did it in the wrong order you know they couldn't get that right yeah. it's like, and I think the loss really kicked in afterwards this sort of whack-a-mole thing of like I can't cope with all this it's too much so it did reach a point you don't realize when you're going through it that you go through a breakdown. I didn't know what a breakdown was, you know, and I, and I, I didn't, I think it's, a, it's for me, 
it was just a sense of um, the world was just like this Instagram filter that was just grey yeah. every day. And I didn't really recognise it as depression at the time, but it was. And it was grief and it was a reaction and it was shock and it was, you know, multiple loss. It was all that sort of stuff. But actually, um, it was a gradual process, I think. It took a lot. Therapy was really helpful for me because I sort of had to go back to the beginning. Yeah. And... I realized a lot of things from that. I realized at a certain point that when I was doing therapy, um, that brought up a lot of interesting things, I think. And I realized that I'd always, you know, you notice patterns. Patterns are where you find the answers when you're sort of doing therapy, really. Mm. And I think the pattern I noticed was that I was, I always wanted to be the sidekick. You know, I was Robin. I was too frightened to be Batman. And it was just an interesting pattern I noticed in small areas in my life. You know, even when I worked in magazines, I wanted to be deputy. If someone had said to me, you can be the editor, I would have run out the building. Really? Yeah, and I think, isn't it interesting what we've been saying about as a kid, I never wanted to be too successful. I never wanted to pull focus because I, I suppose I had a sense I was very sensitive and I had a sense that with you know, um, the lead singer role comes potential criticism and, and pain. And I didn't think I could handle that. Of course. There's probably that. And also a sense of that thing I'd learned in childhood, which is like, keep back a bit, dreadful show off. You know, there was that. And I think that I, once I'd unraveled that script of my family, which I was only really able to do once I'd lost them, um, I think that was, and I'm, I'm not for a minute saying, oh, thank God I lost them no, because then I could get my head sorted out. You know, I'm not, I'm not that much of a monster. Yeah. But I'm saying you take what small comfort you can get from a horrible experience like that. And I realized a lot about families. I realized about dynamics. I realized things about the particular family I grew up in and where, where you have performers, where you have that sense of being on all the time. Um, that you become part of the traveling show, you know, and actually there's not much space for you to sort of be yourself, you know, you're, it's, it's, so yeah, that was helpful. But mainly I think, I, I genuinely do think, Bonnie, it was like, I had nowhere to go. I really had a choice, you know, and sometimes when you're faced with that choice, it's like, right, well, it really is, this is shit, isn't it? I mean, like, it couldn't get much worse. It got to the point and even when, I remember when that vicar said, Emily, we must stop meeting like this. God. And it was, it was hilarious. But it, I thought, right, yeah, this yeah, is that's like this from is Four Weddings darky. and a Funeral or something. <laughs> yeah, it was. It Give was that like, to Richard Curtis. If, yeah, if they'd have written that, he'd have said, yeah, I think we need to tone that down. No one would say that. <laughs> so true. Um I mean, I think the vicar's a little overbaked. You know, come on, let's give him some humanity. <laughs> no, he was a nice man in fairness, but that was... I found that funny because I was so far down the 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 sort of hole of darkness at that point that it was you know but yeah it it takes it it for me personally you know and I wouldn't recommend it to someone um but I think I think oddly for me I don't think any of this would have ever happened had I not experienced loss on that scale because I think I had to have that sense of what's the worst that could happen. And every time I would think about writing a book, every time I would think about hosting my own podcast or 
allowing myself to take up space really Barney that's what it comes down to mm. every time I thought I could take up space I would think of all the worst things that could happen mm. and when the worst thing happens not once but three times it's it's done the worst thing has happened nothing worse can happen than losing your sister in a three-week period and then your parents suddenly following soon after and so I just thought I had nothing to lose and I thought, right, I, I, I kind of think I felt as well it was insulting to the those who'd gone. I think of all those things my sister didn't get to do. You know, I, I still feel that. I feel it now during this this sort of you know COVID nineteen stuff in lockdown. Mm. You know what? I found myself, and this is ridiculous, being tearful the other day because she didn't get to experience seeing the miniature pony and donkey in Arnold Schwarzenegger's house, <laughs> and she would have loved that, and that makes me cry. Because of all those things she missed out on. What would she be thinking of this? It's all that stuff. So I think... Um, There's nothing ridiculous about that at all because it's those tiny little things, the little piccadillos yes. that are uh, the, you know, they're the things that, that make bonds so tight, aren't they? The things that you, you know, you, um, or that remind you of someone that nobody else would even think about. Well, do you know, and I don't know if you have anything like this when you're, because you've obviously, and I've respected the way you've done that. You know, you've done stand up and you've been doing, it's like you made that decision. And I'm interested to know when you decided to, I suppose I'm going to call it break cover. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. When you broke cover, because after, after I broke cover um, and thought, yeah, I can do you know, the, when they said to you, do the TEDx talk. I loved it when I was asked to do a TEDx yeah, talk. Yeah, really good said, TEDx talk. Check that yeah, out Yeah, but I said, oh, I'm doing like one of those TED talk things. And she went, TEDx. And I went, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, like, like... Merry Christmas to you get, too. Yeah, get off your um, get off your, uh, get off your lectern. I know, I know. But um, I know I was upset because I took a picture with Ray and he posed on the X and I was like, oh, I wanted to crop that X out, Ray. You've ruined it. <laughs> Um, Ray, is, anyway. Ray is the star of your book, your, your dog, for, for the audience who don't know, by the way. But but actually dogs, I find that very um, inspiring with dogs because they have no shame in saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is all about me. Welcome to me. Yeah. This is, everything's about me. But anyway, dog, going back dogs to Dogs and si kids usually, but you at the age of eight actually still ha already <laughs> had that on your shoulder, which is quite impressive. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? <laughs> But I, d I do think about my sister and thinking about that breaking cover. If you've always, you know, listen, it's fine. Not everyone wants to perform, Barney. Not everyone has that secret desire to share their, their not just their private stuff, but to share things with the world. And if you do have that, and for some reason you feel held back, I can remember, you'll sort of understand this, and I can remember my sister once said something to me. I didn't want to do something, and I can't remember. It might have been something as simple as going to a party on my own. Hmm. And she would have a thing that she'd always say to me. It makes me actually cry saying it. Um, sorry. I don't know if you like Piers Morgan tears on your show. but I don't um... like Piers Morgan, but I'm, I just want you to be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you better expect a lot of tears. Um, no, and she, but it's tears of happiness because I think of it, because it does genuinely inspire me. She said... You're better than that. It was like a really simple thing. But if ever I was, I said, I can't do it. I, I've, been, I've got to do this thing and I can't do it. And she went, um, you're better than that. You're better than that. And I think of that. And whenever I've got to do something I'm scared of and I've been asked to give a talk or do a telly thing I'm nervous about or just something new and different, hmm. 
And even with that book, I thought of her the night before it came out and I wanted them to pulp all the issues because I was so nervous. And I genuinely thought of her and I thought of her saying, you're better than that. And I thought, yeah, okay, this is, she's the reason I think that I do it because I think she'd be proud, honestly. Yeah. And it's like, well, something's come out of this shit show, you know. Um, it's, anyway. It's so amazing though. I, what me. I, Tell me about you. No, no, what, well, what I think is really <laughs> incredibly um, powerful about that is such simplicity of words for a start. Mm. And secondly, um, just that I, I, she would, it would never have crossed her mind each time she said that, how much of an effect that would have on your life. And I think that's, yes. that so shows the, the kind of um, subconscious bonds between family when you're close and stuff like that. The effect that people can have with just three or four words. Yes. Um, you're so right. That changed you your life things- as well. Yeah, it did. And it changed my life for the better. And, you know, um, I think my, ver- you- my version of your coming, com- not coming out, my version of your, uh, <laughs> what, what was well, the term you used? Now. Um, I mean, Breaking I've come cover. out now. Breaking I'm cover. Not, I've just outed just say, you. <laughs> can I just say, I'm, I'm not gay, but in some ways I'm a waste of a non-gay person because my mother um, did turn around to me and my sister very tearfully when we were teenagers and we were sort of what's wrong what's wrong and she said I'm just very upset that I will never have a gay son <laughs> these are the things she would have meltdowns about yeah anyway back to Barney in the studio what were you saying um I think my version of your breaking cover because you did you did ask is um, mm. and around the time I first met you I think I think we probably met around 2006 this was about 2007 was um quite a classic boys uh you know I fucked up a relationship and then was yes, fight- then was fighting for a relationship for a long time for kind of back and forth for a couple of years and then eventually she moved to New York and that was 2007 and I think I think within a month of her leaving I'd signed up to do a stand-up course and was just mm. but that you know so there's a bit of breaking cover a, a bit of like oh fuck it you know yeah. now's the time and probably a bit of distraction what can I do to stay busy other than just drink myself into a stupor the whole time <laughs> yes. um, so I managed to combine them both in the end <laughs> yeah but um yeah you, you I mean I so I can kind of understand that that feeling of shit can't get any worse but just not to the same depths and it's so amazing how you've you know channeled that into creativity and stuff that's been so so successful and that p- other people can relate to and, and love. Cause I see people, you know, how people write to you on Twitter and how they react to your stuff. It's really, really amazing. Oh, that's cause I block the haters, <laughs> but I, um, but no, do you know what is nice is that I don't, you know, I don't have fame in the traditional sense of the word, but what is nice is that the only time if I actually get people coming up to me, because I, I don't sort of, my work is more sort of you read me or you hear me, you know, but the only time I actually occasionally do have people coming up to me is on dog walks when I'm with Ray. Yeah. And it's people listening. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To my podcast, and what I love is that Ray, I mean, it's like Bernie Winters and Schnorbitz. Schnorbitz <laughs> is the star. Ray is the star. They don't care about me. They look at Ray and I just get trampled in the rush. But, but I'm the secondary person they recognize. And without Ray, I'm nothing. So I, in so many senses of the word. But, when the, but they will sometimes come up. And I, I never thought, I always thought people were just saying that in a sort of cheesy chat show wanting to be wanting to appear a nice p- person way you know when people would say the comments I've had or the people I've helped or mm. I was always a bit cynical about that and to have people I mean to, to hear from that meant more to me than anything in a in a and you know I'm I was never terribly sincere <laughs> no I was a sort of more on the Chandler side of things do you know what I mean yeah, like sure. I, I I definitely me too you know <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And sometimes, you know, um, I think, I think looking at those messages now, that really you realise that that cynicism, um, which was partly because I was, you know, influenced by friends in the nineties. What can I tell you? <laughs> but but it was that Gen X thing, and it's but and I think there was it's a protective thing, it's a defence, it is. isn't it? Well, and I, I look back at the person I was, and I sort of feel really sad for that person. Because I think they were just so encased in this protective armor, and it was so bloody obvious to me now that everyone must have seen. Well, we know what your deal is, love. No, you know, well, nobody um, sees. That's the thing. But also, I I wouldn't be looking from the outside on, or hearing from the outside on what you're saying. I wouldn't be so. Um, I wouldn't look back on that and think that was you know. I wouldn't look in any way negatively about that because all of that as well helps you to become who you are today. Because without Without that, maybe you'd have never had to bounce back so hard. Yeah, that's true. And I and you know, some people don't, I suppose. And that's but I do know and I appreciate it because when I get those messages, like I say from people like this Matt, this guy who was just said, I'm you know, um an ex Marine and um he said, I'm a Geordie, I've never 
cried and I've never read a book. And, you know, he'd lost his sister. And he said, and I, I think he listens to the radio show. And that's interesting, you know, because he was a fan of Frank's. And um, he said, I read your book and I cried because my sister died and I've never processed it and I've never wanted to think about it. And obviously I was in floods, but just that sense that I didn't set out to do that. You know, it was not like I should get <laughs> any praise or because I, I didn't intend to do that, but I hadn't imagined the idea that you've created something and that's had a good effect on people in some ways just it feels great yeah. you know and it's hard because it makes your next thing you know i'm writing something else at the moment and it's it's hard because nothing will ever have the impact for me you know you were saying what impact did that have for you and i felt i felt okay you know about um i felt i felt that i was talking about my sister which was difficult and my family and I never wanted to feel that I was trading off what happened to them but I actually feel now something good has happened because my sister dying young and then my parents which I, I do think was linked means that that man has been able to process his grief and you know so many other people who've got in touch with me and that that makes me feel really positive you know yeah and also I think Going back to what you said earlier about how, you know, two days before it was being published, you, you know, at that point you would have done anything to not have it published. Now mm. in future, so even even now you mentioning, oh, I've, I'm writing something else now and it'll never have that effect. You need to keep yeah. that man's comments in your head every time you think like that, I think, because you're not aware. You'll never be aware of how what you create will move other people or will affect other people. And in fact, oh, in fact- you, I'm gonna to speak to you every week. <laughs> but in fact, I genuinely think, uh, and, and I've kind of learned this a little bit, I kind of think whenever you're creating something and you think this is going to affect people like that and it's gonna be amazing, it very rarely comes off. It's more the stuff that you don't realize, you don't yes. really know what's gonna come of it and and you're just kind of throwing it out there and you're you're not expectant of anything. I think it's always, it's always with my stuff anyway, that stuff that surprises me and comes back more positively. You're so right, you're so right, Ronnie, because it's almost like, you know, and this is the big irony, isn't it? We're talking, you know, when looking at people who um, get recognition for their work or put stuff out there, I think I always have that sense that the people I know that are most self-critical produce the best work often, mm -hmm. you know, and it's those people that say, you know, I work with Frank Skinner, who I think is, you know, one of the best comics. I mean, no, I have to say the best, you know, sorry to everyone else who I love, but he is my boss, but, you know, um, but he's, whatever you think of his I mean he's superb it's like watching him on stage it's just him so in control and on just it's perfection you know he's he's extraordinarily talented but he's so hard on himself you know yeah. and that perfectionism which you see in friends as well we see in, in mutual friends of ours and I I think that's so important and it's it's something that I do see I think successful famous people who produce good content which is a real distinguishing thing isn't it which who produce quality stuff that will last i think they are never happy with what they've done no 
well especially comedians and this is a real ongoing theme and this in in the people i interview here is is just how especially with comedians but i think with all artists you're only ever looking at the one person who isn't laughing you're you're never looking at the standing ovation that you're getting you're looking at the one person on the side who's texting do you know what i mean well also it's interesting that because i suppose also with the bad review thing you know it's like trolls isn't it and it's like people reacting negatively to the work you do, which goes hand in hand with putting it out there. We know that. But I think, you know, there's an evolutionary reason why, as human beings, we're, we're sort of physiologically designed to store away negative reviews because of predators, you know, and we have to remember. So we don't, we're not designed to remember where the lambs are we're designed to remember where the wolves are because mm. that's going to be a problem for us later on. But, yep. and that's, what's difficult is that, so there's sort of that, that literally is an impulse that you can't control that you remember the person who said the shit thing about your book or your podcast or your hair when you were on a TV thing or whatever. Yep. Um, and, and that's hard and that, but that comes with doing it and you accept that. But it's interesting, this conversation at the moment, isn't it? That I think people are starting to think, well, actually, We've always said, well, that's part of the deal. And I, I know you will have experienced this with Angus, but I sort of think, well, is it? Is it part of the deal? Mm. Because it's it sort of, um, we've accepted it, but I don't know, it's... Um, well, you've been a journalist too, though, so you'd know it from the other side as well. Which no, is... But you know what was interesting about that? I never... I always, I was a shit journalist. I was a terrible journalist because I couldn't do the job because I refused to do that. And and I intentionally chose to live with yourself. Well, I stuck myself at the very sort of when I say shallow, I mean the very sort of light, fluffy end of it. Mm. I did fashion magazines. I did style and lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? I never got my hands dirty. And I mean, I'm not. I think that was a reason. And I and I think I knew. You know, when I was at ES Magazine and things like that, the most sort of incisive I'd get would be a My London questionnaire. And <laughs> if I was ever asked to do anything other than that, I always had such boundaries about my friends, which is why I was terrible at the job when I had to get out. <laughs> um, because I did have a morality about that. And I think the other thing is, bear in mind, I'd grown up in that world. And when I say that world, I'd grown up with... I'd, I'd, I'd just grown up with people who had a profile. Mm. And that, and so I, I knew what that was like. But I do think now you sort of think, um, you know, that whole thing of, oh, goes with the territory. And that's obviously something you have to get used to, isn't it? Is people offering opinions, you know? And it's something that affects everyone now. Yeah. It's not just people who do work with it that gives them a profile. But, you know, often people say, oh, I mute them because then you can just let them tweet into the ether. And they, and I just think, no, because you're part of the problem if you're doing that, because you're letting them have a consequence-free life. So I think if you say to people, no, I'm blocking you, and that's a boundary because you've said something horrific, that's um, that's my policy. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But, um, well, do you know what, Emily, to be honest, like I, I have formatted written questions for these interviews that I like to <laughs> that I like to fall back on. But we have covered every single one without even having to go through them, and much more beyond. I want to give you a chance before we finish, just to give a proper plug to what you're up to at the moment. Obviously, talk a little bit about walking the dog as well, because it's such an amazing format and such a great podcast. 
Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm just glad that you said I've done, I've covered all the topics. You know, that's another thing <laughs> I have. Pro, is being a good, I have a good girl thing. Of I have course. to be a good girl. Me too. I have daddy's going to be cross, you know, if I get it wrong. So I feel like daddy's happy with me. Daddy's oh, going to slow clap. Quick. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. That, that sounds very adult channel. I don't like that. Um, so basically I have, yes, I do the show. Um, we're obviously recording this during lockdown. And um, luckily a lot of my work is uh, like yours, Bonnie, is um, audio, which yeah. is brilliant and, and writing. Um, so I'm doing the Frank Skinner show. We're still recording that remotely every week, which is great fun. And we're, I love doing that. Do you record That's it live my, remotely? No, oh, we we do it on the um yeah. Well, I think I was te uh, oh, yeah. telling you when we were setting this up that they made us use a platform called Squadcast, and I did point out that I didn't think that was very dignified for a man of Frank's <laughs> years and stature. I mean, I'm catch me on Squadcast. I think I'm a, I think I'm thirty years younger or something than Frank, <laughs> and even it sends shivers down my spine. You know what, Molly? I think even your Squadcast ship has set Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um. Yeah. But anyway, so we're doing that, which is just a joy. And I feel, I honestly feel doing that show, what's so brilliant is to be given, what's unusual about that show is to be given that degree of space by two male comics. Yeah, you know, and Alan I know Cochran as well. He's a brilliant yeah, comedian. Alan Cochran and Frank Skinner. And, you know, they, what I love more than anything is they don't treat me, um, they just treat me exactly like a bloke which mm. is what i you know it's like we give each other space and it's 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 three friends chatting it's catching up with your friends and they happen to record us so that, yeah that's on absolute um every week and then i'm doing my podcast walking the dog which i absolutely love doing where i take someone out high profile um for a walk with a dog and my favorite moment was when ed Miliband said my dog raymond looked like a toupee <laughs> um and Ed back in the back in the game now because of his appearance on Walking the Dog. <laughs> Ed's back. Ed's back. Ed's back. I don't know if he'd do it now. I think I got him using again another brilliant Frank Skinner analogy is the Indiana Jones pulling the hat out of the just at the last minute out before the the boulder comes down. But um, I think I got him just before. Yeah. I think I grabbed him. But yeah, so I do Walking the Dog every week, which is brilliant fun and i just love doing it and i get to hang out with dogs and, and that's I'm available like you, I'm kind of, that's available at all the usual podcast on, places yeah that's on itunes and it's by the times i do that it's a cast so yeah i don't um, want to get all squadcast with you but it's definitely not called <laughs> itunes where the podcasts go anymore emily it's called apple podcasts <laughs> i think oh, I your itunes know. ship has sailed emily I'm, ha I'm handing over to the youth correspondent um <laughs> I know Barney was getting me all connected on Zencaster, this, Zoom, that, Z, this, Z, that. Um, and then um, I'm also, I'm writing something at the moment. I'm writing um, a new book. So I'm only saying that because my agent will be listening and she'll think, oh, good, she's getting on with it. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I so I love doing that. I think at the moment it's like keeping all those things going is important. You know, I like I like having loads of plates to spin, although... And actually, you really is. I'm quite grateful and I'm lucky that I can work in that way. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't just pop up on, I don't know, because that's the interesting thing about it, isn't it? Is you see, you see some things where you think there's, there's different ways to earn money. But I think this level, I remember my dad always said to me, um, he said the best kind of um, fame, he said, is someone like Martin Amos. Because you can get respect when you walk into a room, but um, 
You don't get people harassing you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I sort of, everyone's different, but I think I love that. That sort of respect from your peers is is nice, but also respect from people who like your stuff, you know. Oh, totally. That's definitely, the, and also to me as well, that's definitely the level of success to aspire to, I think. And we're just, let's be honest, we're just... We're just keeping our expectations. Like we're managing expectations at this point. Yeah, okay? I want to be Taylor Swift, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> um, Emily, thank you so much for coming. I've had such, uh, on the show, I've had such a good chat and uh, it's flowed really well and flowed long. So I better end it. But um, thanks so much for plugging all your stuff as well. Guys, make sure you do uh, buy her book. Everybody died. Oh, I need so to mention the her. book as well. Everybody yeah. died so I got a dog is out in paperback. Excellent. Do you, have a, do you have a price to add with that? I want to go full plug. <laughs> oh, I don't know the details. But yeah, Amazon okay. or, and, and all good booksellers. But you know, if it's Amazon at the, the moment. House, yeah. Amazon at yeah, the moment. Yeah, Amazon at the moment. Or, or, but yeah, um, everybody died so I got a dog. Yeah. And um, keep my dog in treats. Buy, we appreciate it. Yeah, buy that. Keep her dog in treats. Uh, check her out on Absolute Radio and uh, Walking the Dog with the Times, which you can uh, definitely find on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and all your usual <laughs> podcast publishers. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please do press that subscribe button on Almost Famous. Give us a rating. Drop us a comment. Uh, find us on Instagram at Almost Famous the Podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. 